TV. Editorial duties here. Cut out the boring shit, keeping the funny bits. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the latest episode of Articulate Warbling with myself, Laura. And me, Zach. And we're going to be doing something completely different. Here is something completely different. Uh, there's a book by an author called Ema McBride. Ema McBride. Ema McBride. Uh, it is a girl. It's a half-formed thing. Now, legally, we can't include the reading because it's not for us to do. So it's going to be an almost reactorama, but from the passages we're reading, we might do the full book. I don't know how long we're going to stick with it. It works in an almost quotidian state way that you're allowed to do quotes for reviews. Well, guess what? We're doing a running commentary on Ema McBride's A Gal Was A Half-Formed Thing. Now, my introduction to this was that it has Bailey's Women Prize for Fiction winner and a lot of great uh, press surrounding it. I brought it and I was like, um, no. <laughs> and then I saw her other release, which was The Lesser Bohemians. And I was like, I think Laura will like this. And I'm like, if Laura likes this, she might like A Girl as a Half-Formed Thing. Maybe I wasn't in the right mind frame. Then Laura all of a sudden picked the book up and she was like, why the fuck do you think I would read this? And I quite wittily said that, uh, quite frankly, it's only the Women's Prize for Fiction by Baileys because of the fact that you have to be so pissed on said Baileys to make this the winner of said prize. It was a nominee for a whole bunch of them and surprisingly, not so surprisingly, lost. Uh so Laura was like, should we just do a reading of us struggling to compute this book? So, shall we give it a whirl? I think we should give it a whirl. <clears throat> I will start with part one, which is named Lambs. Part one, for you... You'll soon, you'll give her a name. In the stitches of her skin she'll wear, you say. Mummy me? Yes, you. Bounce the bed, I'd say. I'd say that's what you did. Then lay you down, they cut you round. Wait and hour and day. Walking up corridors, up the stairs. Are you all right? Will you sit, he says. No, I want, she says. I want to see my son. Smell from Dettel through her skin. Mops diamonds, floor tiles, all as strong. All the burn your eyes out if you had some. Her hair heart. <coughs> her heart going pat. Going dum dum dum. Don't mind me, she's going to your room. See the Jesus. What have they done? Jesus. Bile for. Tidals burn. Shh. All over. Mother. She cries. Oh no. Oh no no no. I know. The wrong thing wrong. It's a. It is called. Nosebleeds. Headaches. Where you can't hold, full mugs and dinner plates, she says, clear up. And a tight thong, I just felt that. Coming off of that. <laughs> I can't even read it, because I'm like, ah. <clears throat> what was I? Ah, young, he says, give the child a break. Fall off swings, can't or grip well, slipping in the muck, bang your poor head, wrapped up white and the blood come through. She feel the sick of that, little boy head, shush. She saw it first when you couldn't open your eye. Don't wink so long. Wind will change and you'll stay that way. I'm not, Mummy. 
It's got stuck. She pull it open. Hold it up. I can't. It's all fall down. You know the nursery rhyme, Ring Ring yeah. Roses? We all fall yeah, down. That's probably, that's probably the thing she's going for. I mean, the pitter-patter is interesting, but it's not interesting. He is leaning. You are sleeping. She the chair me whirl about. Listening to Dr. Chat, we done the best we could. There really wasn't much. It's all through his brain like the roots of trees. I'm Robin Hood! Sorry, don't say that. He's running out. I'm afraid. I'm afraid he's running down. You should take him home. Enjoy him while you can. He's not. He is. Can't you operate again? We can't. Shush. Something. Chemo, then. We'll have a decime on the house's mine. It's for the best. For who? You, me... Board my body up. I'm not for loving anymore. I'll live for housework, dressing kids, and you for mortgage, new shoes, spuds. Can't live short hope, but gas bills long and paid on time too. Oh, so kind. Aren't you the fine shape of a man? We're nearly there with the first chapter. We left her with a (laughs) fifty. We left her there with a fifty-pound note. Take care. Stroke combing full-on tidied hair. Thinking I think of you and me are empty spaces where fathers should be. Whenabouts we might find them and what we'd do to fill them up. But didn't time continue still? Where's Daddy? Gone. Why's that? Just is. And yelp, she at the strength growing to your tips. Poke belly of baby that's kicking is me. Full in myself, bustling hatchery, and I loved swimming to your touch. Lay on the lining of for your strokes for you for you secret pressed hellos. Show my red foot. Look, look there. Baby, when you're born, I pick your name. See, you and me were busy with each other long before I came. She was careful of you, saying, let's take it slow. Mind your head, dear heart. And her gut said, thank God. For her gasp of air, for this grant of nurse, I will. Learning you are father's art, and when you slept, I lulled in joyful mysteries, glorious until I come kingdom come. Mucus stogging up my nose, screamed to rupture day. Fatty snorting like a creature, a vinegar world I smelled. But now a girlene, isn't she great? Bawling, oh ho, now you're safe. But I saw less with these flesh eyes, outside almost without sight. She asking after, and I'm all fine, hand on my head, her hand on my back, dividing from the sweet of mother flesh that could not take me in again. I curled there, learning limb from limb, curdled under hot lamps. Sorrow lapped. I'm so glad your brother's lived, that he'll see you. It'll all be. But something's coming. Wiping off my begins. Wiping all my every time. I struggle up to. I struggle from. The smell of milk now. Going dim. Going black. Going white. Issue being, this is meant to be from the baby's point of view. Obviously. Uh, this is meant to be a stream of consciousness. Streams of consciousness do not work like that unless you're a glitchy computer. I think the thing is, like as I was reading it, it's weird. I suddenly felt like I'd gone back to when I was four. And they're like, or maybe four is a little young. I was always quite good at it, though. It's like going back to primary school where they say to you, read out in front of the class. Yeah. And you get someone who's not very proficient with reading. Yeah. And they're like, em Bright yeah. award winning yeah. debut novel tells the story of a young woman's 
relationship yeah. with I her think I was brother. that student because I just didn't want to read. There's so always that the stutter because you're put on the spot. Yeah. But that, reading that, I'm like, I've forgotten how to read. And the thing is, it, 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 oh, no, it's got a pitter-patter, almost a rhythmical, almost poetical, old-time rhyme. It thinks it's cleverer than it actually is, but I had an issue when initially reading it. It is formatted inside a book like a traditional book with a lot of an experimental fiction. There's short stanzas. It's stark against the page. It gives mm -hmm. you breathing room. This doesn't that do that. It's classical in the sense that it is being produced uh, typographically, formationally, formatting-wise as a traditional narrative book. No, it isn't. If you're going for an experimental tinge, which this definitely is, and a different way of processing prose, don't format it like it's a... Typical nine to five type narrative job. It is annoying. Do you want to read chapter two, darling? Oh, must I? To me, forty-five or so, I fall in. Real table leg to stool. Grab face into her cushions. Squeal. Baby full of snot and tears. You squeeze on my sides just a bit. I reach up awful tickle geeks. <laughs> Beyond stopping jig and flop around. I full crack something. My head banged. Oop. Trouble for you. Fat. Quick, the whale rushed out like waters. Slap off. Slap off everywhere. Smells kitchen powder, perfume, soap of edges in the winter. Dogs and sawdust on a butcher's floor. Give me some breath, woman! <laughs> new. Not new. I remember. Look, I write like this sometimes, but you, you need to have resonance. You need to have reason behind why you're doing it. You need a platform or a basis. You need to know if this was coming from a drugged, uh, confused, unreliable narrator. Cool, I get it. If it's formatted aesthetically in a vein that it's appealing and acceptable, it is formatted like a traditional narrative, and it just imbues you with this sense of uh, complacency. Sorry. Not new. I remember. Patterned in my brain. I feel the carpet under that scratch me when you drag my leg. <coughs> That's my opinion. I know it's gold and turquoise coils. Flowers on. Leaves for green. The couch leg I've drawn. Red biro in the grain. Digging. Singing long, long ago in the woods of... Gart Namona. Namona. It's not Gartanamo, is it? No. Okay. I don't know how to spray Gartanamo. It's that fucking one. Gart... I heard a black bird singing in a black form tree. <laughs> so my, my prose voice has changed. Oh, that's come from. Come from where? I can't remember any before. You bent over. Don't cry, don't cry. Trot it out. I think I might. Don't. Winch gets beats for you or me. It's word salad. And I like word salad. No. Like everyone else. But but you don't like cucumber. Do you know, <laughs> do you know my problem is... I can't visualise it. I can't visualise it. I was starting to at the end of the first chapter. I'm like, okay, we're, we're, we're a baby it. in a womb, but no. I can't visualise it. It's fragmentary, but put together traditionally, and I don't like it. Go on, I'm... continue. <sighs> Wooden spoon, worse than hands or clip on the ear. I'll give you something to cry about. Making a holy show with that big lip. Stop your gurning. Sorry, mammy. I won't cry so, though something's happened in my head. I woke up. I stare at your brown hair. Soft boyish bob on your round face. Must be the washing, brushing, combing of it. Attentive, loving mother. I remember. I have seen. Such a pride and joy in him. Those doctors, nurses said it would not. 
dead in follicle, dead in root. But there it is, she says, springing away. Don't pull it, you. Giving slap hand for me. I flee from washing brushing. Get the teeth in good and deep. Too much, that knuckling scrubbing. Like soap sub scalp scratched in. The child would not know those words. <clears throat> She'll work her arms out. No lice here, no disease, no psoriasis or dandruff for my many miles to see. Poetic all you see. Since when? Like, it took me until I was about 18 to know what psoriasis is. I lived w- with a Down syndrome uncle and all I ever knew it as was... Flaky stuff. Flaky stuff that came off his skin. Yeah. And that... White stuff. Yucky white stuff, wasn't it? Yeah. I'll jump the bath when she has me, running with my head full of shampoo, shouting, No, mummy! No, no, no! Cold chest where water hits, windscreen, belly in the rain. Down those stairs fast as I can. Shampoo on my forehead, in my eyes. Nettle them. Mammy! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mammy! Mammy! Yelling lady, you come back or you'll get what for. A mad goat I'll be, rubbing bubbles. <laughs> Sorry, that's not in the book. Worse and worse and hotter like mints, I'll turn my nose at. Always get me in the hall. See you wormy bit of hair. Love me rubbing ankle skin up the stairs. She in suddy ocean, you just settle down. Quicker over the quicker's done. I'm boldness incarnate. Oh, thank God, a comma. Little madam, little miss. Put your head back. I'll wash it down and off your face. Ha! What? Flow spit. Bubbles. Muckle face with a cloth. There for your bubbles. Egypt. I, I gathered that this is an Irish writer. Mammy. Mammy! Egypt! Don't you fucking Egypt now! Don't you want hair like your brothers? No. <laughs> that was um not Irish. Don't you want hair like your brothers? That's Scottish. Very Scottish. Here, you little leprechaun. Don't you want your hair like your brothers? Better. See that lovely shiny blade? I do. Out in Hanfords, but two years on, as good as you. Doctors, nurses, so no. So, for little limp and tunnel vision, aren't bad when you are well. Teeth is, though, worse you than me. All rotted yours, nothing even like milk. Just keep an eye, it's normal after all he's had. His news all come in and should be fine. Not black. Not black! She said and threw them out. Spoiled, not washed or washed enough, and would not keep them in a matchstick box. Mine are safe, don't touch. Even as I'm reading... I can't visualise it. I'm really struggling. Safely in my head. When yours weren't, you wouldn't like to see the look on her face. That isn't even like playing with words attractively. That's just... Oh. Anyway, being reminded... Is that an Irish phrase? Ugh. 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 No, that's Scottish. Scottish. Ugh. <laughs> I wish she's like... Hey, we did it. Being reminded, she makes secret sounds in Wrigley's spearmint gum. Sticking the gaps in case she said, open up. She says, wash your teeth, God's sake, every child has theirs. But the doctor said, you could have that kept them off you, I'm sure now. Yes, mammy. Don't just yes, mammy, me. Mammy, yes. You, you said always when I did know. Poor teeth yours and not the 50p's I'll sue. For no good reason either. Lucky, blessed I was. Your second lot were hard, sturdy, and you take care. Though you have liked them better then, I'd say, than now. Chapter 3. <laughs> How long is this going to take? I mean, we're not going to read all of it, are we? I don't think it's we're going to It's not going to happen. Shall we but... now just randomly pick from the book? I think we should. I am not invested enough okay. to do the whole book. Goodness. So I am going to read chapter two. From... And any smart Alec is like, you can't really judge a book unless you've read all of it. Trust me. How many pages did we do? Literally. Four. Five. That felt like 55. And that was enough to tell me I don't like it. 
yeah, so I'm going to do chapter two from part four, which is named Extreme Unction. Do it in an Irish accent. I can't do Irish accents. You gave me shit for not being able to do one, you potato. Potato. I'm going to do the next one in the voice of an old, like, drug addict. The phone rings and on it she says, I think, I think, your brother's going to die. I'm, what do I say? What? What are you saying? And the blood pumps in my gums, in my nose. What's happened now? What? Are you joking, Mummy? Are you having a laugh? Mammy! Say so, P. Please? No? He got a nosebleed, forgot his breakfast, where he worked, fell over, cracked his head, I thought he would die. I don't know, I think you know, it, go it got going after, what, after all these years? In the sty! I don't think that can be right, I don't think that it can do that, because it's dead, isn't it dead, it's, isn't, it's dead because... In his head because, they said, didn't they say that? What if my tongue swelled up in my mouth? What if I just keeled over right now, I Please might? do. I'd like. <laughs> not that, not that, not that one thing. Take it, take it, take it away. Where oh, are... take it, baby. Fifteen minutes later. Oh, yes. In the canteen, I, shh, don't you say that. Say anything to him. He's fine, it'll be all right, she says. I stir gravy on my mutton chop. Look, you don't think perhaps we should prepare for. God won't allow that. We wouldn't do that to me. Zach is rocking on the bed. I've offered myself up and sh served him all my life, and I know he would not take one of my children from me. I wish he would. But thee, the Lord knows, I wouldn't survive, not that. No, for I'm not Job. It's time for our faith to be tested, that's all. Now is the time for prayer, prayer for death, because this book is killing me. <coughs> Him, ah, our father, who cannot be in heaven. For the first time, I, I miss he's not here. Who then, think strange man, what would you have done? No, not that I know. You wouldn't have come. I know the one. Tell that tale, for all your love was what was what was it. Some early night, like going home, doing nothing at what the time. What's it? Fell from the earth, face at the moment you were, wanted, most, despic. I know, I'd kill you if you were here. I'd turn you in your grave, oh daddy, daddy, what have you done? Lie still and breathing, go let traffic rock, it rocks me to sleep. But not the morning when it beats inside my head. We cross the roadway, snuff the thick clouds up and get there quick as we, as quick as we can. And catch you sleeping with your hand outstretched. See you simple as you have ever lived with all the raging peeled away. Soft face she has for you, I have for you then. So hot in here, so sit and sit. Tea, drink, coffee, I'll buy us cake. Take a walk down there, have a look in the shop. There's magazines and we play X's and O's. Is that like knots and crosses? Maybe. You're a rare bitch when you want, you know that? Oh, I know, that night long night, every rake of me saw raw hum good night to you and good night, that is all. And how the fuck are you meant to read this book? Well, from the author's mouth, here we go. Down and out all right. It's dark here and it is night. Orange streetlights, I know the way. For all the time past, nothing's changed. I know the way, know it, know the way. Tinder ponder, blister, I shall pop, think. Buy me a drink, help the medicine go. But no, keep going straight. I know the way. What? That road and in. But that's not how she's written it, though. No. Because that actually sounds like an okay story. But that's not how she's written it. She's reading it how she... That's not even Irish. She's reading it now. 
she's reading it the way she wrote it and i know there is an element of like because when I, I was obviously writing my book earlier and i was reading my poems and i'm thinking i know that i'm reading this in a certain way if anybody else reads it they're going to be like huh but I know I'm reading it in a certain way, but that's okay. I'm okay with that. But there comes a point, like my poems are only usually about a page long. Mm. So it's not like they're literally, and this is literally just words. And each word is ended with a full fucking stop afterwards. And it's just constant. <laughs> the way she reads it, I would be far more interested. Yeah. If, if she it was did an the audio book. That's what I was trying to look for. If it was the audio book, I think you could get on with the story. But the way it's written is not the way that it was originally intended to be read. And that's the problem. So whose go is it? I'm going to try. Extreme Unction. Part. Four. Four that's now. I was just reading, but I was reading chapter two. Jesus, that stink of that one city I got off the train. Get along for that in you and you see how you do. She says cigarette filter frying brown on her tongue. It's perfectly acceptable if you can't understand him. Looking knackered, all right. Not too bad. Come on with me. Thanks for it's a good month. Is it since I seen you last? Is there loads to tell me? Ah, oh, there's only loads. And aren't you mighty, I say. Coming all this way in, not much missus you are. Well, fucking am I. I'd say a good glass what I need. And... A strong cup of fucking tea, cause I give up with this fucking <laughs> book. Right, it's 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 always a difficult one. Maybe it's about certain uh, moments, certain minds. But I'm telling you, as someone who is a proponent of the experimental literary scene, I am. I'm known for my lit my, my experimental literary works more so than for my more mainstream stuff. I'm not famous in any degree, but people know that I'm an experimentalist. They know what I do with words. They know my aesthetic. And I know that it's not going to appeal to many people. It doesn't appeal to you as a reader. No. Per se. Now. I'm sorry, but I actually don't want that book in my bookshelf. Yeah. Genuinely. So go and do whatever you want with it. I don't think I've ever seen you throw a bin in a, bin in a book. <laughs> I'm like her now. I've never seen you throw a bin in a book. I'm getting words up, down, <laughs> sideways, up in locked down shop. Do you not want to use that for collage? Fuck no! <laughs> okay. It um, didn't cost much. I remember it cost like three ninety nine. Oh. Uh, so as we have uh, halfway to the podcast, let's let DB cut that. For someone who writes experimental fiction, I know there's proponents, I know there's rhythms, there's certain sects, there's certain things. This book hasn't been formatted, for, formatted and hasn't been crafted as an experimental book. If it was formatted differently and it was aesthetically pleasing and wasn't in a traditionalist means. This is what I mean as a book builder myself. You have to be very specific when it comes to experimental fiction and how to represent it on the book's page. They haven't done that with this. Is it poetry? Is it experimental fiction? All of the puff piece plaudits, I can understand. I know that books aren't going to work for certain people. A lot of people have come away from this, and obviously she's a popular enough writer that she's still getting paid by Faber and Faber to do commissions. But for me, the issue is this type of work would be heavily applauded in the literary circles, the indie literary experimental circles, if it was with the right publisher. Faber and Faber is notorious for putting out certain works that is more of a, uh, you know, more darker, transgressive, lint type thing that they've got over other publishers. This was just a traditionalist book with traditionalist praise and you go in and you're like what the fuck 
And to be honest, I don't like it. I can't get my head around it. Same could be said about my works. I'm not saying it's a book that people should not read or shouldn't buy. But for me personally, it doesn't know what it is. And when it knows what it is, it's best when it's performed by the author. Maybe it's a purely performative piece that is better appreciated in the tongue of her native language and accent type thing. But anyway, the whole notion of what we wanted to do with this podcast has just evolved. It's changed, ladies and gents. We have got bored of a book. I just threw it in the bin. Smelt nice, looked nice. Very little inside of it. <laughs> so we are going to transgress, digress, and go into what films we've watched. Um. So there were a couple of films recently. Can I look on your letterbox? At the time of the, the news being broken, we didn't know the title, we didn't know the content. So Fritz, as usual, as these things do, just appear on Netflix. And we have this conversation where it's like, this is why I'm happy about Netflix. Because where a lot of movies have been cancelled, and even after the whole festival circuits, they've been out there in the critic circle and in their consciousness. Whereas the mainstream audiences haven't had any look into what it is, whether it's trailer whether it's uh, a, a synopsis of what the film's about or who's in it, Netflix all of a sudden's like, look, we're going to pay you a lot of money. It's going to give you back the budget you spent. We're going to put it out on a huge platform. And this is what they've done instead of waiting around for a theatrical release. And I think it's kind of a film that suits Netflix. So this is run. Chloe, played by Kira Allen, a teenager who is confined to a wheelchair, is homeschooled by her mother, Diane Sarah Paulson. However, her mother's strange behaviour doesn't go unnoticed and when Chloe pries into some private papers, she discovers a change of name certificate document with her mother's name, Diane Sherman, on it. When Chloe Googles Diane Sherman, the internet suddenly disconnects. Chloe becomes suspicious of all that her mother does, suspecting her of something sinister. She decides to go on the run in her wheelchair in a desperate attempt to get away from her. That was the best synopsis I could find. I found yeah. like four. Yeah. <laughs> so... This movie has something about it I really liked. I can't quite put my finger on what I liked about it. It wasn't the best of films. I think the thing is, because I've read um, The Recovery of Rose Gold, it's very similar, you know? Yeah. Mum makes you think that you are... Um, actually ill when in reality you're not. With underlying health conditions. Yeah, the mother needs you more than they actually need the mother. Um, The mother is effectively either killing the child or creating issues for the child by giving them certain medications. And then the whole idea is that the child gets out of that in whatever way possible. Exactly, and the whole, you know... It's just repetition. Why would you question a mother's love? Why would you even question your mother with the medication and the unravelling? Even the big twist at the end wasn't a big twist. You kind of piece it together because it is such a repetitive and Mm. generic storyline. Now, we've seen this in television series, Mm. in soaps even. Yeah. Some EastEnders episodes, if you're in in the UK, even in some of those NCIS episodes, and because of the recent uh, popularity of um, the recovery of Rose Gold, which had been adapted into a television series of a different name, I believe, but it was the same content, the same... Same, it's the same material, it was just it had a different name instead of the book style. So you've already got that imprinted upon you. Probably when this was being, you know, film takes so long to make. So when the director, writer, producer, 
um, was probably formulating this. This was probably in the wake of the, the before the recovery of Rose Gold, or in the wake of it. I mean, it's 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 gripping. It is thrilling. It is edge of your seat stuff to see this young girl push her. You have to, as always, suspend disbelief. I listened to a podcast today where they reviewed Zack Snyder's uh, Justice League. Uh, the Empire podcast. I love all of them separately, but sometimes the way they approach reviewing superhero movies, I think, why are you criticising this? This is a superhero movie. You need to withhold disbelief in some spots. Mm. But when you're making a movie within the parameters of not just a genre film, but a film that's tackling with, you know, issues that is real mm. and inherent in mm. society, shit like this has happened. Yeah. Stuff like this to continues to happen. There was a woman in the UK who convinced her daughter that she had cancer not that long ago. Mm. And through her mother's complacency, like usually, which breaks it, uh, her daughter found out that she wasn't. And it was all a scam to get money mm. for a crowdfunder. Yeah. So we are within the parameters of uh, a realistic realm. So when you withhold disbelief, you come into these films, you find it difficult because they have a certain tonality so when the whole ugh, stuff when it comes up about the diabetes and i think this is the first film american film that, that's done diabetes correctly but then falls to the wayside a little bit uh but the asthma thing what the fuck but then you but it, you question you yourself it, and you question the narrative going oh is she oh is she just made a believe she's got asthma is yeah, it psychosymptomatic? I mean, it is it is it's so easy to convince someone they've got something. Like, but they don't conf- they don't clarify that in the film. So you're left going. <laughs> if you had asthma, it don't work that way, which you were doing, uh. and I was kind of. But I think there's an element of you kind of have to pretend that she's convinced her daughter for the last fifteen years that yeah. she's got asthma. And it's quite easy because if you say to someone like, Oh, I feel sick yeah. you can in about five minutes you can convince yourself it's the worst stomach bug slash norovirus you've ever come across. Yeah. And then you go and vomit yourself. Yeah. And that person's like, I don't feel sick anymore. <laughs> yeah. And what what I really liked was the bait and switch at the end. Like you think, why is this daughter still continuing I to, thought it was brilliant. to see that was this like woman. instant karma. I mean, or half, half, halfway to that point, it makes you question why she's continuing this. And then when you get to that clinch, you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> it looks good. It's gripping. It's interesting. Sarah Paulson is a sensational actress. Everything she in, she is in and stars in, she gives 110%. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the young actress in it, she was she's really very good. good yeah. um, and I think other than the fact that she was meant to be paralysed, and that I really struggled because you can tell that she's obviously not paralysed in real life. Mm. So the way that she was trying her very best, but you can't manoeuvring of the you legs. You can't really play paralysed no. unless you're paralysed. Yeah. And she did a bloody good job, yeah. but it was still really noticeable. Yeah. yeah. But there were points when she was dragging herself across the roof of the yeah. house that I was like, "Oh, that would have been hard." Yeah. And to be honest, even a non-asthmatic person would have been like hyperventilating, yeah. like she was at the yeah. end of that. Yeah, I mean, it looks good. Uh, it's, 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 it's. If the, if you watch as many films as me and Laura do, which we watch a lot of, and you're exposed to so much uh, different takes or different angles and certain genres or certain subject matters, you are kind of inundated. And 
fatigued from it. Yeah. So when you come to a movie like this, and the trailer tried to pitch it as something a little bit supernatural, mm. the flitting in and out of the image of the mum. Yeah, it was quite scary, wasn't yeah. it? Whereas the movie wasn't scary, it was just thrilling and unnerving, but slow. Yeah. Meandering. And the thing is, marketing is key to get you interested. It got us watching it, of course. I mean, just with the state statement that it's from the director, writer, producer of Searching was enough. Mm. The trailer also was kind of reinforced by that. Like, yeah, this looks good. It's got more of a horror twin Django. Also, he's not confined himself to that almost found footage uh, filmic device. Yeah. Like, if, if someone makes a movie like Paranormal Activity, they're like, so your next film's going to be a... Uh, a found footage horror film and it's like no right. so when you see them actually lean into doing something that is like a general genre film the thing is though I felt a bit disappointed because the way searching was was as if it's through through <laughs> social media mm -hmm. through um, the whole, technology the whole experience was via what Computers, the computer had phones, been exposed yeah, to yeah all exactly. those devices but and then I, f I feel disappointed then thinking more about searching I'm like you really did yourself down here. Because mm. that was an epic... The way it was made, the yeah. story was epic. And then to have done this, it was like... You've taken three steps back. It feel, yeah, it did. It does feel like that. And I think like that is going to be the same with so many new filmmakers. Yeah. Like, with the success of Host and what they've done with Host... Mm. Their next film isn't centred within that social media, fan footage, horror... Yeah. Realm, it's going to be a straight genre type film, and it may be that thing. Very clever technological advancements, very clever technological, um, you know, filmic devices and gags, and you know, uh, executions of it. I think The Searching is a very unique movie that it carries across such a, a deep, almost intrinsic, simplistic storyline, whilst also using all different platforms in a very unique, modern way. This was just a very straight and simple thriller, and we went in there with this preconceived notion, but as soon as you start going through the motions, you realise what this film is. It is a sum of all of its parts. Things have been done better. Things have been done worse. Mm. It's not a brilliant film. It's a recommendation, because I give it three stars. Agreed. Watch it. It's a, it's a simple film mm -hmm. to switch off to, but mm. also to still let you lean forward. There's not. It's not bad. It's just we are so inundated with similar types of stories. And I, think, I think there comes a point, though, when nothing's new anymore. No, exactly. So, yeah, for me, Run gets free. Yeah, agreed. So, what next? Uh, next is uh, an older older movie that we haven't come across, we haven't seen before, but uh, I finally gave in and bought it, which is uh, Dog's Purpose. Uh, synopsis is as follows. A devoted dog played, well, voiced by Josh Gad, discovers the meaning of its own existence through the lives of the humans it teaches to laugh and love. Reincarnated as multiple canines over the course of five decades, the lovable pooch develops an unbreakable bond with a kindred spirit named Ethan, played by Bryce Geyser. Is it Geyser? Uh, as the boy grows older and comes to a crossroad, the dog once again comes back into his life to remind him of his true self. Bailey, 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 Bailey. Bastard. Bastard. <laughs> So uh, if I've gone letterboxed and I've looked at critics' reviews of this. Ugh, stop being cynical. It's a story that deals with a reincarnating dog. Reincarnation, in essence, is a very 
you know, tricky subject to get people interested in or vaguely give it an opportunity. And then crossover with a dog family film. There's going to be deaths, there's going to be cuteness, there's going to be... But the film is not disingenuous with the pain and the sufferance. We're animal lovers, me and Laura. We are always interested in different avenues of spiritualism and reincarnation is one of them. Uh, the notion of that. And paired together, you do. I remember seeing the trailer in cinemas and I went, I would never sit down and watch that. <laughs> this looks sweet as fuck. This looks like... Such the, a male thing most, to say. This was like the most easiest, like, you know, get your kids in the cinema with your family, bums in seats, popcorn in mouth type films. Then, when the notion of what the actual film represents, as I've matured a little bit as a viewer and as an individual... You know, the spiritual bond between man and dog is very, very, very strong. And this story leans in on that. And it's a very positive, but also in certain moments, cynical film. Because it's reality of life, death, life, happiness, agony, hurt, uh, bad decisions, bad life choices. And just the notion and beautifully juxtaposed with a brilliant voice performance from Josh Gad. Perfectly balanced with sincere, goofy, and just, you know, it is the type of, what I like is the running monologue is something that us as dog owners or dog lovers, you, you voice their, their expressions, you, you voice hope. their attitudes, and this is what you hope they, yeah, they, they are think, thinking yeah. of doing. And they really cleverly incorporated that into the film, whilst also evolving it a bit. It's not purely centred upon, this is what the human thinks, it's, no, this dog is a thinking, breathing creature on its mm -hmm. own. It has its own thoughts. And we're not just going to completely, completely humanise it. And they, yeah, that was a perfect balance. Mm. Perfect balance. Mm. And for me, it was the most heart-wrenching, most genuine, soulful appreciation piece, piece about the, the, the love between a human and dog and telling so many multiple different stories and strands and doing it perfectly pacing it perfectly mm. and people have come out cynical going oh it's sweet as fuck oh it's cringe as fuck the film's not for you it's not for you don't be such a cynical lame ass open yourself up to this and I know that you'll come out feeling changed and the I know it sounds ridiculous because it's a dog film and a family film, but I came out of this movie feeling changed. This movie offered me something that a movie hasn't offered to me in a very long time. Not probably since I watched uh, an animal movie like Homeward Bound at the age of about like four years old. This movie is a consummation of so much and it is the most beautiful film that I think I've seen in a very long time. I mean, I just grinned. Yeah. I mean, I cried. A lot. But I also just grinned. I'm pretty sure I was still grinning while I was crying. Yeah. Because, you know, the funny moments were funny and then sometimes just damn right hilarious. Unrelatable. Yeah. Always from a place of relatability. They were just, yeah, it was a bit cheesy. But do you know what? There comes a time where you do just want a bit of cheese and that's and okay. And, you know, during the time that we, we are going through, I think a movie like this really... It's a good film. Yeah, it And was I mean, just I want to find any excuse to watch it again, so I really think we should watch it with your mum, but your mum's not too keen on animals, so. She cried at Marley and Me. Oh, okay, so she might like this. She loved Marley and Me. Um, well, she loves and hates she's it. She's not because... an animal lover to the extent of us. Only because she's allergic to them. She loves animals, she just can't touch them. So she just can't. Anyway, 
Look, don't you start arguing with me about your mother. <laughs> I grinned. Mammy! Shut up! I grinned. I cried. I grinned. I cried. I smiled. I laughed. I just, it was just wonderful. Yes, it was a roller coaster of emotions. But there came a point where actually when he was reincarnated, no matter how sad it was, I was like all excited to see the next, the next journey he was going to take. The next journey, and the next, uh, life he was gonna yeah and you're the and the fucking hilarious thing is you're with josh gad throughout this the story is not about the hu it's about the humans but you get movies like this and the humans are there to the forefront yeah. no this movie's about the dog and his purpose and his journey yeah and you're exactly. always with the dog you're never away from the dog no. and josh gad gad's uh narration throughout it it you know i'm not very josh gad infused i i don't think he's that talented as a performer or as a comedic actor what the fuck he was doing in artemis fell i don't know trying to be your horrible voice but when he does sweet and genuine you know the material that suits him cuteness mm. he works yeah. for me personally and he was a perfect voice for this dog but I think, yeah, the best thing about it was the fact that we didn't suddenly stray away and, and go and watch how Ethan was living his life. We stayed with the dog. And the only way we had the connection back to back to Ethan and it was, was just that the fact that the dog, the dog's inner monologue mm. is constantly talking about my mm. boy, I've got to get back to my boy. Yeah. And I think that that was just the most... But whilst I'm, whilst I'm striving to get back to my boy, this person who I'm assigned with... I care about I them care too. About, yeah, I, like this is like like uh, this is more brought up in a dog's journey. He he does get quite <laughs> Bailey gets quite reflective upon the notion of I had a good life as big dog. Yeah, I didn't have a good life as this dog. Yeah, but my sole purpose has always been defined by Ethan. Mm. It's not detracting from the fact that my life with the cop was awful or great because mm. in the end the cop in this film ends up sobbing when the dog ends up getting. Getting shot, yeah. Getting shot. So, but it's a it's a cycle that you believe that that shit like that has to happen. So hit that little dog's purpose could continue over. The only thing that really got me was in the trailer of uh, Dog's Purpose, the whole Ethan journey reaching to that point. You think that 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 the movie's going to go on from there, but actually that's to the end the of end, the movie. Yeah. The whole re realization that this is reincarnated dog. So I understand the purpose for a sequel. I was interested in it. The only problem is the first 45 minutes of a dog's journey. Ugh. Anyway, five stars from me for a dog's purpose. Five stars. Highly recommend me. it. Now we're going into a dog's journey. A dog's journey. The so Bailey is living the good life on the Michigan farm of his boy Ethan and Ethan's wife Hannah. He even has a new playmate, Ethan and Hannah's baby granddaughter CJ. The problem is that CJ's mum, Gloria, decides to take CJ away. As Bailey's soul prepares to leave this life for a new one, he makes a promise to Ethan to find CJ and protect her at any cost. Thus begins Bailey's adventure through many lives filled with love, friendship and devotion. And a lot of fucking pain in this one. Yeah. Um... I had I, I, every time this dog is with Ethan, or you see the engage Dennis Quaid in this is so good. I love him. He's mm. really good. Mm. And every time, because we're in the in this place now, story narratively, where he knows that this little dog, whatever dogs within distance to him in a pivotal time, he knows you're my Bailey, 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 bastard. Mm. 
the dog reacts, of course, mm. to verify that. Every time Dennis Quaid is on screen with these different incarnations of the dog, the film resonates with me because that's the relationship and journey that I'm interested in. I understand that it's a bequeath of, Bailey, your new purpose now is to be with um, my granddaughter, CJ. CJ. But the whole protracted nature of it, like there is a, a, a void, a zone in this movie of 25 to 30 minutes when nothing happens. Mm. Then when it picks up in the later years, when he is now striving to reconnect with his uh, his new owner, his mm. new his new purpose, because mm. this is the whole concurrent thing. I have a new purpose in this life to and. I like the the introduction of her relationship with her um, school friend, and I love that it comes to its natural conclusion. I love that everyone then, everything starts slotting together. Mm, everything clicks. goes the way you want, but it take it took too long for me. They should have shaved about fifteen minutes of this movie, and yeah. I think that the abused nature of it. I know what they wanted to hammer home. This dog had to go through a lot of fucking pain. Mm before he eventually stumbled across or she stumbled across him but they need I felt they needed to shave that because I know they're trying to hammer in a point but it hampers it it drags it and I'm not I'm invested in his journey but I'm not invested in his journey in sufferance and it it it, it, it didn't it, it, it hurt me as a viewer because you're so bound now by Josh Gad and all these different tendrils reaching out and you do have your own affirmed bias about characters like Gloria worst mum ever and yes there's a lot of questions that are brought up why didn't Dennis Quaid Ethan and Hannah try better but it's never that easy of a case but the story's not about that but the other stuff that that it it hangs like a dog's ball sack and you know eventually this dog is going to go and hump something until it's pregnant so you're seeing this pendulum ball sack going backwards and forwards and you're just in a bit of a drowse and you're like eventually instead of just keep looking at this ball sack i need to get it neutered it <laughs> took too long to neuter that mm. that part really bad metaphor editorially wise but you know what i mean it's i'm not the only one in the feeling that it was just like I don't know, repetitive was, you said yeah it we, was repetitive but then also there's an element of because the first dog that comes after after Bailey the second I guess his death is Molly and mm. Molly finds CJ straight away and I found that really hard because I was like I needed a little bit of like where is she first and then to Rather than it just randomly being this one, like it just happened to be that way. There was there was an element of that, but then there was also an element of really lengthy, really drawn out, and really repetitive that the same shit first. over and over. Yeah, so they yeah. they could have done with having having more of a story about trying to find her. Why can't I find her? I'm living this life, and I need to find yeah. her. And then you you know it's almost like a painstaking life. I've got to. I need it was. It's I don't know. They always need also. Need, oh, almost needs to be a thing where it's like just hurry up because I need to get to my next life because I yeah. need to find CJ because yeah. I can't find her in this one I would like the notion of the dog like getting suicidal like trying to do shit like just well, to kill itself I mean. just so it can skip so it's like come on come on yeah. hurry up I need this you know reboot so I can get closer to yeah, her yeah exactly somehow. because I can't find her in, yeah. this, in this life but then 
they, you know, Molly kind of found CJ straight away, you know, Bailey as Molly, and it was all very sudden, and then it's like, and I do understand it, and it was quite a sweet story, and then it... And it does carry over certain things, like the whole cancer treatment recognition thing yeah. that pays off in the later film. We're not saying we don't want those parts of the film, but it's the nature so long-winded. So long-winded. It is, and I think they hammered home a bit too much about what Gloria's like as a mum. I think set up on the farm, we get the gist of what type of mother we she is. We only really needed a little bit extra and just they really to kind of show... On that. Yeah, but they only really needed a bit extra just to show that she's still the same, if not worse. Yeah. And then to just move on from yeah. that, really. But as soon as it starts going closer towards a more personable uh, journey between uh, the tiny terrier... Max, that is Bailey, 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 boss dog. When it eventually starts going back to the farm, and even even before that with Dennis Quaid, he saw Molly, didn't he? And he's like, "That's you, bastard." Yeah, Molly. Because yeah, because Molly was like, "She's upstairs," and the I mum like was like, that "No," because it's still like we needed that moment in that film, like Dennis Quaid and Ethan. His journey is always still. It's as by the end of the film, I don't want to cry. But his whole purpose in life has yeah. been surrounding Ethan. Mm. I felt that the movie lacked so much by not including Dennis Quaid, Ethan's character, and Hannah striving. But maybe then their the, the whole their whole their whole edge on it was this isn't about Ethan, but really it is. Yeah, it is. I I think that there were some areas that came through really nicely. I have absolutely no idea why they included that awful relationship where she was abused by that guy. Yeah, I don't... That was totally pointless. That spoke... It, it just didn't say anything. It didn't, yeah. It, it, I get the fact to that think it, was, it wanted to speak volumes. But it didn't. I it get only the worked fact in relation to her mum, but to the severity of... Then having a car crash and then Molly dying, it felt like I know what it's like. Certain producers and things are like, we're getting bored, we need an action scene. You don't need an action scene in this type of movie. No. But you do if it's related to story. What came naturally with the uh, A Dog's Purpose incarnation of um, the police German Shepherd was she was on duty. She was going above and beyond mm. doing her duty as a police dog and also as his dog. Yeah. She saved the girl, then she came up and saved her owner. <laughs> She died in the line of duty. Yeah. I know that it's that repetitive flip of the coin thing they're doing with Molly, but she wasn't. She was just in the back of the car, a bystander. But it wasn't just that. They were trying to make it look like she's the, that CJ's going to go down the same road as her. Um, well, not the same road, but a negative road, a road that's bad. Self-destructive road. Yeah, yeah, but it's just like, well, no, because she wasn't really that. She Never. was not really so it's kind of like why are we why, why are we going need, down this why road why do you need here? that moment to then later see her as a drifter we knew that she was going to be a drifter as soon as she said i'm going mum you knew it yeah yeah uh i think though it, it does drag it drags a hell of a lot it's like when we try to take daisy out for a walk <laughs> she just won't budge i think the thing is i think as well the the story yeah. with the shop owner and the uh, bailey reincarnated as a bull mastiff as as big dog that was just like oh i don't there wasn't enough of it to oh, have a story behind between it. the owner and him and i didn't like the nature of at first, he was very dismissive. Like, this guy just gives me nice treats. I'm just waiting for CJ. CJ? Yeah. I'm just waiting for CJ. And Wait. then, he then later in the films, like, it was in his reflection, he's like, I loved my life as Big Dog. And it's like, no, yeah, kind 
kind of did. You kind of you like the Watson. You were you were longing it out as long as possible. You were willing to get out of that life. So. I like the reflection in the end that he got, comes to it and he goes, yeah, I do have a good life as this dog, that dog, but my whole purpose has been towards Ethan and everything surrounding Ethan. But we didn't get enough from those. It was more clipped. There's more reincarnations in this film than there is in the first one, and that's the problem. Mm. I know that what they're going on, it has to go through so many stages. It can't just be all good, light and fluff. But it kind of do. Well, the thing is, though, I did like the cancer stuff. That's, that was that very... sounds awful. No, That's no, not no, what I meant. No, that kind of the fact stuff that it was, was like Max could remember from Molly days that that he obviously it's all Bailey, but he needed to to put his paws over one another and to you know you I can smell that smell yeah. and I get a treat when yeah. I smell that smell and something like that. That that really thingy bothered me because currently my granddad's going through cancer treatment. Not many people know that. I don't think I've mentioned it yet. And our dog Todd has been unresponsive to my granddad and Todd has always been the apple of my granddad's eye Todd loves his granddad and then all of a sudden Todd just turned he didn't want to go near him he was scared of he's him he's still the same he's getting better granddad stroked him today well that's gave him a good though because it makes you wonder if perhaps well, that means that around, it's well coming... I turned around and went oh is the cancer subsiding now and I just recognised that with this storyline that the 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 comfort of a dog and then having a dog that kind of is verifying something for you. And I saw it today with Todd. I was like, you're kind of verifying that maybe this chemo is working. Hmm. I'm getting my hopes up of reading too much into it. But he, he saw Grandad. He was just wagging his tail like he wanted to go up to him, but was scared of it because of the stench, which is the cancer. So when watching that, even before today, I was like, yeah, that really resonates for me hmm. in a lot of ways. And to think that this dog saved another person's life and in the dog's attitude it was all for a fucking treat it's brilliant yeah it's 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 it, it makes light of a, a really harsh situation exactly but it, it there's a lot of life lessons in there there's a lot mm-hmm. of stuff and i think that's the thing is a lot of these movies are family movies they put in the funny stuff for the adults and the life lessons for the kids right that's the way yeah. it is um just on a side note molly was a beagle yeah because it says on wikipedia okay um yeah, I mean, I couldn't figure out what she was officially. I was thought she, a she was a beagle cross, cross but oh, she's obviously a true beagle. Beautiful beagle. She was a beautiful beagle. I've never seen a beagle like that. That gorgeous, yeah. No, she's lovely. Issues, puppies with mums didn't go. No, they didn't because I've seen puppies, and I've looked at a mum before now, and I've looked at a puppy, and I've gone, hmm. But then you see the dad, and you go, ah. Yeah. Because they're usually crossbreeds, right? Not when I when I worked in the vets, you didn't see a lot of purebred dogs, no. because a lot of people don't have two Shih Tzus to no. to to mate to have no. purebred Shih Tzus. No. So you'll always have like a lab cross Shih Tzu, which yeah. is always very uncomfortable because you think, how on earth has that lab fucked that Shih Tzu without her funny literally splitting? Or is it in the reverse? <laughs> yeah, and that freaks me out even more because I'm like, how did you get up there? But my point is, is the fact that... An owner's literally picked up this dog with this boner and is just, like, pushing it. <laughs> but the thing is, though, is these puppies didn't match at all. No. And the mums didn't match. So the mother to Molly and Trent's dog... Crap, what was Trent's dog's name? Because they brought them together, didn't they? Rocky. Molly and... Rocky. Rocky. And they were born to... I think they were Japanese dogs. That wasn't even close to a beagle. And then they used what was obviously Rottweiler puppies yeah. to represent Max. Yeah. 
They used pugs at one point. Pugs to represent... A bull mastiff. A bull mastiff, big dog. But that wasn't a bull mastiff. That wasn't a bull no. mastiff puppy. No. They were too small. You can tell. Yeah. So, yeah, they're, they're, that... that yeah, I, I, mean, know I know what, you can't do it, everything perfectly, I know, I but know it's what like, it was. What dogs do we have on hand? They're like, these are all the puppies we have. Yeah, whatever. No one will know. Yeah, see, I watch and I look for this shit. <laughs> I mean, this movie is directed by Gail. Uh, first, the first one is by Lassie Halstrom, and he's like a. He was really famous for his uh, his um, Swedish movies and his transition into Hollywood, and he's been given a lot of blank checks in Hollywood. Like, mm. what do you want to do? Oh, I'll do this. Here's a lot of money for it, and he's also been a go-to guy. He's done certain movies like Salmon Fishing in the Yemen, like really strong. Uh, romantic films his films are very romantic and family oriented and uh when i watched this i couldn't help but go yeah you you did this movie for the money but you you believed in it you can tell certain directors do it because it's a good it's good exposure it's good on your cv yeah but he did a fucking great job gail considering that she comes from purely television and i think this is one of her only if not first Big screen directorial debut. Feature film directorial debut. By Gail. What is her surname? Uh, Mancuso. Mancuso. And I thought that she did really well. Also, the more visual, more spiritual elements at the end were so beautifully captured for me. Yeah, it was lovely. Though it's on the nose and it's very cringe, it's just and it's beautiful and I think for a first directorial big screen debut she handled the material well enough I think the issue is purely script wise but she probably was a little bit as a directorial debut she probably was a little bit more uh, beholden to the script as gospel which a lot of filmmakers are and for someone who works on television you can just tell you, when you meet television the script is everything mm. You need to follow this because I get not not enough time to do it mm. in comparison to a lot of bigger movies. So she's obviously stuck to this script when even she in edit, even in edit, she could have shaved it a bit. Because this is ex exceedingly longer than the first one. The first one was about 94 minutes. This is 108 minutes, yeah. I believe. Uh, but for me... 109. 109 minutes. For me, it's... Um, it's a three-star film. I was close to giving it four because that ending, the last 15, 20 minutes, is probably the perfect... Oh, what's it called? The full circle from A Dog's Purpose. It's just those middle bits that it is too... Came apart a little bit, didn't it? Yeah. So I will give A Dog's Journey three stars. I will agree. But we'll still highly recommend you check both out. Okay, so next up is... Don't show it to your young'uns if they're really sensitive about animals. <laughs> oh, well, maybe it'll be a good thing. Watch this, you old shit, before you have a dog. Because guess what, the reality? Animals fucking die! <laughs> Can you stop shouting at the one-year-old? It doesn't know what you're talking about. Uh, okay, so next up is bad education. Oh... A Long Island school superintendent and his assistant are credited with bringing the district unprecedented prestige. Frank is a master of positive messaging, whether before an audience of community leaders or in an office with a concerned student or parent. That changes when a student reporter uncovers an embezzlement scheme of epic proportions, prompting Frank to devise an elaborate cover-up. 
Really? Is it an elaborate cover-up? Not really. He's just he doing just his... He just kind of steps back and goes... Okay. She's done wrong. Her family spent the money. I'm not going to be culpable because I'm actually deeper than she even is. But yeah, that's not what really. I mean. He just steps back and lets it happen in I'm, front of I'm him without getting in trouble. It's Hugh Jackman, nearly unrecognisable, a fucking slime ball, given a real good uh, go at being a sleaze. And uh, it's, it's one of his better performances. I love Alison Janney. I love her performance. I like them on screen together. But the film, Laura sums this up perfectly. If it's based on a true story, it's usually going to be boring as shit. I thought you were going to ask me to come up with something that I said like four weeks ago, then I'm like, please don't. You, you do. You say, yeah. well, when you know it's a true story, you know you it's going to be shit, boring yeah. and it's going to end up being shit. Yeah. Also, what really annoyed me at the end of this film is the justification that these people didn't do time. Not really. No. And by the end of it, they're out in prison. Yeah. And getting paid. Yeah. The state pension, isn't it, what they were getting? What was yeah. it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Even though they've conned and taken millions. I mean, the woman was the worst of the two. But in a lot of ways, the, Jack, the character Jackman's playing, a real-life figure, was worse because... He encouraged it. Yeah, exactly. And probably imbued her with such a sense of um, protection in a lot of ways. Like, don't worry, they won't know. Yeah. Uh, the film is boring. True. Chapman gives it his all. It's totally inconsistent. The whole angle with the young journalist was interesting but you don't get enough of it because yes, they didn't go far enough did it uh, we love the young actress though it's good to see her yes in another film we've seen her in the Broken Hearts Gallery I've seen her in a movie about a kid who got his cock cut off and they have to go on a cross country journey to get it sewn back on Netflix film uh, she was also in Blockers uh, what is that young woman's name I'm on it but anyway aside from that and also an actor from Casualty that like we hadn't, you know, and then we had a deep conversation as to why does his accent sound okay in this film, but when he's in a UK television series, it sounded ridiculous. No, not bad education with fucking Jack Whitehall. Ugh, no, Jack Whitehall. Why? Why are you a thing? You're only interested when you're with your father. Geraldine Viswanathan, Wanathan, Wanathan. This one, Nathan. It just took me a minute. Uh, yeah. Uh, Alison Janney, great. Hugh Jackman, great. Uh, I mean, if anyone wants to give an apology Oscar, this was an ample opportunity to give an apology Oscar to Hugh Jackman for so many film roles. Most, most notoriously, his performance in Prisoners and also his final performance as Logan in the movie Logan. Uh, Alison Janney, she's you know she's she's risen since her Oscar win for I Tonya. It's good to see her and stuff. But the film, outside of the whole uh, sordid affair, it's little engagement. There's little of intrigue. Mm. You know, it's not going to end all right. Bit bland. My initial rating was three stars. Up in reflection, like I'm going down, to, it it down to two. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Right, so the last film we are going to review, and I really want to review Normal People because I feel like it's been getting a really yeah. bad press and yeah. I get it now. Uh, so the last film review is for Don't Let Go. The movie Christopher Nolan wished he made. Detective Jack Radcliffe gets a shocking phone call from his recently murdered niece, Ashley. 
Working together across time, they race to solve the crime before it can happen. I mean, I can't really say much. I don't want to give it away. I don't think it deserves spoilers. I think it deserves more recognition for for than it's got. It's fucking immense. It is tense. It is clever. It is fucking mind-warpingly twisty, turny, sci-fi, sci-fi, wifey type time travel. Wifey. Shit. Not shit as in it's shit. I love this film. I love this film. I love David Oyelowo as an actor. Storm Reed. <laughs> Sorry. It's a great surname, isn't it? Oyelowo. Oyelowo. <laughs> it is what it is. Storm Reed, who has really carved a path in her career. Very young here, but you can tell that she was growing up during the movie because one scene she looked about nine, but another she's like a 13 year old. Uh, great script. Great yeah. score. Yeah. Great story. Yeah. Edited to within the perfect inch of its life. Yeah. The sci-fi uh, elements it is... It, it, don't think about it too hard. Just accept... No, well, this is the thing, though, because I hate sci-fi, but I love this film. Yeah. So it's not really sci-fi. And time travel eyes. stuff. Like, yeah. the time, yeah, yeah, like yeah. Uh, what I like about Ryan Johnson's Looper, which you haven't seen, it's like, oh, all of this time travel stuff fries your brain. It won't. If you just accept the rules, which is clearly defined for you in the beginning. Also, the twist, you don't see... No, a no, mile off. Uh, beautifully shot. I'm gutted that Blumhouse or whomever put this out didn't really have that much belief in it. It kind of was advertised severely online on Facebook, disappeared, and then we came across it on Now TV. Just yeah. like that. When I subscribed to uh, the cinema package so we could watch Snyder Cut and I'm happy that was one of the final films we got to watch because as soon as I started trying to stream films it just weren't playing ball so yeah, yeah. at least we've got two really good films out of it which was the Snyder Cut and this for me uh, this gets five stars Agreed. love it Agreed. I just wish they released it on DVD or Blu-ray uh, the director's still bless his heart <laughs> almost four or five years after having finished m making it and then waiting so long for it to get released and then it kind of getting a very underground, undeserved release. He's still on his Instagram talking about it. He's still marketing it because obviously he's a filmmaker who's like, come on, guys, come on. And I, I agree with him. Blumhouse, do your due diligence. Get this out on Blu-ray. Because mm. I think it's fate on a streaming service is it, it's going to be mired and bogged down by because I was aware of the movie before because I saw it and I went holy shit I wanted to watch that like four years ago yeah and a lot of other movies are going to detract from it because mm. it's going to be oh my priority is this oh what's this little unknown movie I haven't heard of I think just give it its due diligence give it a DVD or Blu-ray release please give it give it a, a, a second chance Absolutely. Because this film is lost. I, I've mentioned this to almost everyone who's a film fan, and they're like, what? What film's that? And I'm like, oh, I really need a toilet. Right, so while Zach is going to the toilet, uh, what kind of toilet is this going to be? Okay. Number two. So do you want to say goodbye then? Because I'm not going to be able to last the whole time. Um, I'm going to say goodbye to here, but Lauren is going to end the whole show on a review for normal people. I am. Uh, so... I'm only really talking to you guys about this because of the fact that um, I've read some really shitty reviews for this. So it's Sally Rooney's Normal People. Um, now, Sally Rooney is hugely up and coming now. I don't know quite where she popped up from, but she seems to have popped up nonetheless. 
and I've read some really dodgy reviews saying that it's boring, um, you know, the story's really kind of petulant and back and forth, and I've just literally just finished this today, and I just thought, you know what, I'm going to... I'm going to do um, a little bit of this on the podcast because that is so unfair. Because on the face, yes, this story is, technically speaking, I guess, a little boring, a little petulant. But actually, it weighs a lot into the pain that most of us, I think, have experienced through uh, teenagehood and early adulthood. And you know there's it deals with depression it deals with anxiety it deals with um finding yourself both on a um emotional level but also on a more sexually and physical and intimate level it deals with friendships that are more than friendships that are less than friendships that want to be even more than more than that but can't be but can be and it's it seems a bit kind of mindfuckery I guess comes to mind but it's not it's it's just one of the most beautiful stories I think I've ever read in a very long time the only 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 issue I ever actually had with this book um genuinely is the fact that they do Sally doesn't use um speech marks for when obviously people are speaking which gets a little bit like hang on who said what now um but yeah I just I just wanted to kind of say really that this book needs to be given more of a chance than a lot of people have not given it I guess um it's a shame that people dislike it it's a shame that people are so petulant themselves and so um I guess unable to think outside the box to enjoy this book um but it was wonderful and it it really does show that kind of um early teenagehood through to to mid mid you know mid 20s early adulthood um and gives it a a real shine that i think some people need and i know i needed it so um yeah that's it really just uh if you're interested give it a go because i think it's better than people are making it out to be um so yeah four stars anyway that's all for this podcast and we very much look forward to talking and rambling and what is that word that Zach used to use before I got involved oh yeah ranting uh so yes we very much look forward to uh, articulately warbling about something different next time bye guys great review subscribe tell your friends about articulate warbling and check us out wherever you check out podcasts thank you so much for listening articulate warbling with laura and zach brought to you by sweat drenched press check the show notes to find out more about sweat drenched press and where you can find articulate warbling